You are listening to the Big Tree Mind podcast with Lana Lantos. On today's episode, a special guest, Jay Trapionskaya, and I speak about the process of becoming more present and alive through the lens of indigenous practice systems, shamanism, and gestalt psychotherapy. For those of you who have been listening to the podcast for the last five episodes, which have constituted the season, which focuses on presence and connection to self, and also rituals that help us connect to ourselves and to our work, You might have noticed that I have been asking questions about presence and being connected to ourselves on a body level. Jay has been a practicing psychotherapist for the past 28 years and she's been involved with the Gestalt Institute in Toronto since 1985, where she studied with George Rosner. I am so thrilled to have Jay on the show today, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have this conversation with someone who not only trains people in this process of becoming more present, but she also has an interesting perspective which comes from her experience with shamanism. The gifts which I received in this episode are numerous. One is the importance of communication that goes beyond words. One of the theories that I've put forth in this season is my own personal perspective that we have become a culture that is quite fast and in this kind of buzz-like state. And I have been asking and interviewing people about their own experience with this and their own experience with becoming more embodied and present with themselves and others. This episode provides some really interesting perspectives on this question and I've actually listened to this episode many times and have received further wisdom. The gift of this episode is in the invisible and I hope that everyone that does work with other people starts to notice the invisible between them and their clients and also in their own relationships. I hope that if you're in the process of learning about yourself and learning how to communicate with other people, that this episode gives you an interesting perspective to reflect on. I hope that you enjoy it. Please share and subscribe. I've been wanting to speak to you for a couple of years actually about this topic. So I'm so glad that you could be here today. Well, it's a delight to see you. It's been a while. It's wonderful to see you again. One of the things that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about is this theory that I have. It's become increasingly more difficult to be present, that there's this sort of buzzy kind of fast technology-driven state that I'm experiencing in my own life, that I'm experiencing living in the city. I'm wondering about your experience with presence and with teaching people how to become more present and more aware. What are you seeing? What are you noticing? Well, it's true that my journey has been continuously in one direction, is trying to feel more alive and trying to solve that problem of being separated from the sense of life. So all the years I spent in shamanism and all the years I spent in Gestalt, have been trying to solve what basically I consider, like other people, my pathological problem, the feeling of disconnection from the earth. 
the the interesting thing is that Gestalt made a major change a number of years ago, which has helped me quite a bit. And that change was called therapist inclusion, which meant that for the first time, the therapist used our own response to the other, to the client in this case, as a way of knowing what's going on in the reality of this relationship. Not what they're saying, but the music of what they're saying and how I respond to it. And that has been a real key for me to understand that what's happening when we communicate or when we think or whatever we do when we say we're bombarded by information is only one part of the symphony that's coming towards us. And we, we are so disembodied at one time, human beings all over the world were embodied. They could sense the change in the wind. You know, I think even my grandmother knew more about the weather from the way she felt than the weather forecasted. But in, in our culture, one of the greatest crimes that we've done is what we've done to the indigenous people all over the world because they lived in that world, that world of belonging to earth. But we've had to work our way back towards it through the intellect, which is interesting. So I say the intellect is our gift, but it's, it, it is also, we have to come to the point of being overloaded to realize there's, there's something else going on in addition to the intellect. It's what we call the body-mind. When you talk about presence, it is the body that is present, which means that as I'm here with you, even though there's this screen and the screen has its energy, there's so much information coming between us. Yours, your intention, your groundedness, the feelings that we have trying to bring the past into the present between us, mm. the echo of your voice. All of those things are creating a resonance in my body that we don't pay attention to in the quickness of our thought. It's a great difficulty to teach this because most of us are tied up, at least in our culture, are, are really bound up in a rather grasping form of mind. What is different about the indigenous and also about gestalt in today's day is the focus is really on the resonance with, let's say, the atmosphere that precedes thought, or happens simultaneously with thought. It's the missing piece. In shamanism, they say it's the invisible. And shamanism tries to make the invisible visible so we can see the energy interchange between people. But in gestalt therapy, what we're looking at is we resonate all the time with everything and we move too quickly to try and turn it into something um there, i mean obviously this is my life's work and it's taken me a lifetime and here among the trees it's taken me a lifetime to recognize the trees are as alive as i am and there's a communication taking place between us the there's a um a book that i heard about, I haven't read it yet, but it's a book written by an indigenous researcher. I think his name is Dylan Robertson, if I remember correctly. But he calls it hungry listening, hungry listening. And he talks about the, the first missing of the indigenous was that the people who came listened with an eye towards making something out of it. And the indigenous people listened. They were fully present 
who are you is not just your words, how you touch my hand, how you stand in the space, and what's happening to my body with you. Unless we recover that sense that the world is alive all the time, that our body resonates with the information from the world at an embodied level, that the brain is just one part of the way we resonate. And it's the least useful part because there's so much mystery to uncover in the rest. So the, these are obviously, I think about this a lot. And I also have taken a long time to understand what it means to say everything is in relationship with me at all time. I'm curious from your perspective how you teach people to become more present. Well, one of the first steps is where you put your attention. So attention is an interesting word. We talk about awareness. We're aware of a lot of things at once. But if I put my attention on what you're saying, so students have to learn to put their attention, first of all, in Gestalt, it's always been on gestures or movements. So when you're speaking to me, if I put my attention on the beautiful way you moved your hands, this is a different kind of conversation. If I, if I was look at, it's very noticeable the way you move your hands, almost like a, a combination of a dancer and an orchestra conductor for me. So we try and teach the students to put their attention on gestures and movements in the same way you would have a baby. You know, it's our language that confuses us. We think we can express ourselves through our language. In actual fact, it's impossible to understand what we mean by the language alone. Our choice of words is always very personal. The way we speak is very personal. So Gestalt has always asked people to pay attention, remember the words to the how, to the body. And in the body are so many movements that express the whole of the person. So we follow that track. So one, one has to imagine that the question that the client raised comes out of the whole. The road to it has to come from the missing pieces. The frown, the way someone looks away, the certain blanching of the skin, the movement of a foot. Babies are vital in their desire to be understood. And that whole dynamic with a mother and baby of what are you saying? The worst thing we can do is, is interpret it wrong, right? Oh, you want to be picked up. So it's that particular dynamic that, that we train people to be so curious. What are you saying before I respond? And how do I understand you through what you're saying? Now science is very, very much gives us this theory of the mirror neurons that it's actually built into the chemistry of our body that another human being, especially, it's more tricky with trees. What are they saying? You know, DNA is, is different. But with humans, we can feel in our body whether a person is reaching for us, whether they're setting up a wall. So it's the how they're communicating. But that does require being willing to take your attention away from. We all have, especially people who become therapists. We want to help. <laughs> So to actually change your point of view, to think that I can help by bringing in what they're not aware of, not what they're aware of. 
So it is like somebody has compared it to being an instrument that vibrates like a violin string. If you make noise, I vibrate. Then I can say to you, I'm vibrating. I don't even have to know what you're trying to tell me because you know. But I have to show you that I'm listening. So that, that is really the, the, long, the hardest part in the training are people having lost touch with their bodies. And it's not a question of sitting there and thinking, what am I feeling? That is a tough question. It's what I'm feeling when you walk in the room. It's always a vibration. Same as when I walk past a tree, its unique vibration touches me. If I inquire of the tree, what is it? That's all I have to do. So, you know, a lot of responsibility of the therapist has changed even since you were a student in the last 10 years because the therapist used to be responsible for understanding the client. Now we're responsible for a desire to understand them. And we let them do everything they need to do in an embodied way to communicate to us how they want to be seen. The solution from contemporary gestalt is if I see you the way you want to be seen, that's enough. Wow. Wow. I've had so many moments with you where you shared shamanism with me where you shared little teachings with me in our relationship that I I still really hold and you know there's something about being present in a shamanic way or in a ritualistic way for me that that can feel um scary and I've I've spoken to um people that study rituals or or people from different parts of the world where they'll say something like you know i really want to be present i really want to be connected to the invisible realm and when i get there it can feel a little bit scary it can feel like i don't actually know this place i don't understand this place invisible world is so much bigger than what we can comprehend and I'm curious about this other kind of deeper level of presence in your work in shamanism. And if you could speak a little bit about your own experiences with being in rituals and being in presence in these kinds of deep ways. In my experience, in any ceremony, it's taken me half the ceremony to be present. The thing about a ceremony is that I've dedicated a space and time just for this one intention is to connect with spirit. And my brain is going to go like crazy for at least half of it before I finally feel that I belong. We are mysterious and we are scary, but we're disconnected from the earth and life. A human's one of the scariest energies on the planet. We live longer than most things and our energy is so dynamic one can feel it. But we don't know that we are grounded with our energy because we actually feel separate from everything. That's why it's scary. Fear means it's separate from me. In shamanism, you learn the difference between everyday fear and something that's really scary. <laughs> I'm saying there's predatory energy 
in physical form and an invisible form. And in shamanism, you need to know what the difference is if you put yourself out there. But most fear has to do with the unknown. I'll never forget one ceremony I monitored with a fellow from Brazil who laughed and laughed at us because we did something called an ancestor calling. We call, Before we did ceremony, we called to the ancestors of the land. And he said, where I come from, ancestors are everywhere. You don't have to call them. They're standing behind us and next to us. He went out in ceremony or I monitored him to see he was safe. In the middle of the night, I, I heard him screaming for help. And I went rushing to his ceremonial site. And there was a raccoon in a tree. And he had never seen a raccoon before. This little face was looking down at him. He was screaming in terror. So it was, <laughs> that is an unknown that isn't actually dangerous. <laughs> so in, it, for us, it really does take a long time. One really has to dedicate oneself to waiting until basically the mind stops its fantasying. And we can begin to feel nature actually wanting us, touching us. Nothing goes after us, but everything has its own feeling, its own sensation. There's something now in science called the study of the brain being a relational brain. The problem is that we don't feel that we have relationship with the world. The way we meet the world is through our family. We're born into a world we have no say in. We are brought into it and we have to deal with it. So whatever is our natural desire, curiosity, we first have to deal with the pressures of our culture, our family, on us that we have to adapt to. So it seems we spend most of our time finding out how to preserve something essential about myself in relation to a preset world. What isn't done is we're not introduced to the actual world, the world of weather, the world of nature, the world of death. And that lack of introduction for our culture is why when we go into ceremony, we're at a disadvantage. Right. People in indigenous worlds have an ongoing relationship with all life. When they go ceremony, it's not, who are you? It's, hi, auntie, I'm back. You know, I thought I'd spend a holiday with you. But for us, we, we set this time aside to actually meet our ancestors and our world for the first time. It takes a long time. I, you know, the idea of taking a, a vision quest of seven days or walking into the woods until you relax, right. you know, till our, our natural self is never afraid or knows the difference between real fears and everyday fear. I accept from where I'm coming from or most people I know, it's worth the time. It's worth the time to sweep away the, the cognitive world and allow nature to be our teacher. Yeah. So every day could be a ceremony. You don't need to set a circle to wake up and decide, I'm going to walk through a doorway and it's going to be a different world I walk into. I'm going to ask the sun. Everyday ceremony I used to do in the beginning, I'd ask the sun, who are you? And the whole day, whatever I did, I was aware that the sun was trying to teach me something. By the end of the day, I felt closer. The next day, I'd do it with the wind or the rain. Yeah. 
to circle back to this part about um, surviving this kind of age of technology and chaos, do you think it's possible to have so many demands and so many um, pressures upon us and to still be really present and relational? Do you see anything of this? Do you see this play out in your life where they're, they're so, we're so bombarded with so many things? And um, do you see it in students? Do you see the distracted mind? Well, when you talk about students, the last two years of COVID has really shown us at the Gustav Institute the importance of physically being in community which is sad because there's a lot of therapists who for many reasons, economic or the other lifestyle, are choosing to remain online. But we it ran two years online to keep our curriculum going, to keep the students together. And the difference when they had their first meeting in person was phenomenal because we actually are responsive to energy. And there's a part of us that, that shifts and changes and feels more alive when there's energy connection. The ability to deal with bombardment, you use the word bombardment, so we're talking about war. How do people survive in war? How do trees survive? So I'm, we're surrounded by all kinds of ecological dangers and all kinds of disrespect to the amount of land that is being allowed for other life forms. But what I notice around me the trees are surviving in terribly tough environmental situation. As long as they have a strong root system, they survive in incredible circumstances. I saw a tree that was a huge tree was knocked down by one of these big storms we're now having in BC. And its roots are connected to another system of roots and it's growing from the ground. What is the problem with us is we don't have roots and we don't have connection. There's a definite relationship, and this is true in shamanism too, and in Gestalt. What you put out needs to be balanced even more so with what you take in. Our problem is not the bombardment, but our resources are not up to it. We are so excited by what we produced and all of the news and, and connection, but there's no roots under our feet. We don't have roots in a sense of connection to community. We don't have roots and sense of connection to our country anymore. So it's the ability to face our own creations that we need to look at. We need to balance the scale. So we're, we've never had more students forming support groups outside to be, especially young therapists. It never seemed so important. Now how do we connect that when our bodies are so, what you talked about, revved for the next thing? You know, in Gestalt, we say first comes here and now. And out of the here and now, there naturally comes next. We don't trust that. So to be able to ground ourselves is one of those words everybody has a different definition to. For me as a Gestaltist, what, what I look at in presence is there's no more concern about me. I am completely interested and curious about the world. So the odd thing is presence is the absence of a worry about myself, that I'm just there for you 
in in Oaxaca, where we used to do a lot of these Castanadian ceremonies, we would stay for the first three days and do nothing in order to eventually see the shamans who were just hanging out and were so invisible that you couldn't see them until you slowed down. And then suddenly there's this guy over there, you know, in a funny suit. And he's like, and he's just there. So it's an ability to just be there depends on when you talk about my creativity or your mothering, when you're most in it, we're most present, just like children are so present because they're not self-conscious. So it, it really is a battle with all of the self-criticism, self-doubt, waste of energy when the solution lies in the energy itself. So that's, you know, that, and I know the word grounding is a tricky word and people have techniques for grounding, but it, it comes from something inside that we know when we feel at home in the world. Maybe an odd day walking in the woods, we just feel at home. And that's, that's where we lose our balance by getting overly attracted without first grounding ourselves. How will that happen, Lana? How will that happen? It's a beautiful thing that we're so curious that we go off the edge of the cliff. <laughs> but that somehow all the things that we're trying to do now to pause and wait will build a relationship with life that we don't yet have. So it's scary thought. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is there something that you feel that you're contemplating and you're feeling into in your own sort of life? <laughs> well, I think that the thing that's shifted for me now is that what I'm really excited about is the ability to be present with suffering, which is, which is something that was not part of my field because especially the people I worked with were not a suffering population you know, called third world suffering. And since Gestalt has opened the doors to being able to listen to people that know something I don't know, I feel very, very humbled by the possibility that I can see the world as it is through the eyes of people who have never been seen. So that's changed my nature about travel because, you know, when we travel, we, we look at the past of countries. We don't suffer the present. And so that, that for Gestalt is why I'm still a Gestalt therapist, because the international dream of Gestalt has gone in that direction, to be able to look into the face even of these mass murderers we have and say, this is a human being. What is it that I can say or respond that might make this person shift? So it's, it's the direction of Gestalt is feeding my current dream. And I know that the new generation of gestaltists excites me because they're confronting issues, particularly issues of inclusion and colonialism that weren't part of my, they were in the invisible space of my, my uh, upbringing. And so I know that gestalt will live through them. So this is, this is my current, what keeps me. And I have an international community I connect with monthly with people who will speak to us from a bomb shelter in, in Ukraine or from a dangerous situation as a gay person in Russia or all these places. And we're all gestalt therapists in our realities or from Austria where people feel very happy. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> so it it is uh, it's a wonderful community for me to dream into. Yeah. Jay, thank you so much for your time. I think that you are you are of course you're very right in the sense that when people are trying to learn how to feel themselves more, this question comes up like, "What are you feeling?" But it's not just about that. What are you feeling? What is happening in in between us? And I find that that's such an important piece that's not um, talked about. I'm really, really grateful for that and for everything that you've shared. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lana. If you haven't already, please feel free to check out my current offerings at BigTreeMind.com and my psychotherapy practice information at LanaLantos.com.